Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily, and this week we're going to be talking about the fourth track on Kate Bush's album, The Red Shoes, and we're going to be talking about a song that was also a single, and we're talking about none other than Moments of Pleasure. Some moments that I've had Some moments of pleasure everybody to another episode of strange phenomena the music of kate bush as always i am your bubbly host cecily taking you one song and one episode at a time through kate bush's discography so this time we're going to be talking about another single and also the fourth track from kate bush's album the red shoes and we're going to be talking about moments of pleasure so so far this season we have talked about most all singles we started with rubber band girl and then all and so is love eat the music and now moments of pleasure we do have one more single to go that'll be in a couple episodes i'm really excited about that one i'm just excited about all of them um this week or i should say this month (laughs) we are talking about moments of pleasure so moments of pleasure was as we said it was a single it reached number 26 on the uk charts so it was another top 40 hit for our lovely kate bush And also had some really interesting formats as far as like its single release. And in fact, I can say from personal experience that one of the one of those CD singles 
that was released, I have myself. And in fact, I'm going to get a picture of it and I'm going to be posting it on my uh, Twitter page, or I should say X as it's called now, just feels, feels very weird. Um, but Moments of Pleasure had a lot of different formats. And it goes to show you that they have always released, that record companies have always released music in all sorts of different formats. Nowadays, oh, it's the Target exclusive, or here's the Walmart exclusive version, or here's the iTunes or the Spotify exclusive version. And back then, we had the cassette single, the CD single, and then the 7-inch, da-da-da-da-da. So Moments of Pleasure was released in the UK as a cassette single. There's one. Then as a 12-inch single with a free poster, ooh, a regular CD single, which is one of the versions I have, and a limited edition box set CD single with card prints. Was not released commercially on 7-inch vinyl, but some copies are still floating around that were used for promotional and jukebox purposes. But for those 7-inch singles uh, and the cassette singles, you got the instrumental version of Moments of Pleasure as the B-side. If you got the 12-inch, you got Home for Christmas, which we'll we talk about from one of the B-side episodes. And for the CD singles, they were entirely different. So besides the title track, you also got December Will Be Magic Again and Experiment 4. And if you got the non-limited version, CD version, you also got the track Show a Little Devotion. That's the version I have. And I'm going to post a picture of it on, on social media. I got it off of Amazon Marketplace God, probably about 10 years ago because I wanted to hear some of those other songs like um, Show a Little Devotion. And I also did not already have December Will Be Magic again. Quite a smattering of of um, selections <laughs> that they put out with this. But also, that's not all. If you got a Dutch two-track CD single, that featured Home for Christmas as the second track. Lots of different formats for this song. And I got to say, I really like my my UK CD single sleeve. That's the version I had. That It's got Show a Little Devotion, December Will Be Magic Again, Experiment 4, and the title track on there. And if you guys are familiar with the cover, it's it's still from the line, the cross and the curve, and she's dancing with flames behind her. And I love that. It was it was a little bit pricey for me to get that CD single, but I wanted it for the exclusivities. So yeah, lots of different formats for for this song as a single. And of course, there are gonna there are two different album versions of the song, and we're gonna get into that with our discussion. And as I said, it was released as a single and reached number 26 on the UK charts. So there we go. And I'm going to say right off the bat, before we get into the discussion of this with our fan for this week, that this is one of my top 10 favorite Kate Bush songs. And there are a lot of different reasons why. And one of them is that it's just, it's a beautiful song. It's got this beautiful string arrangement from, uh, from Michael Kamen, who is a film composer, and we all know that Kate Bush loves film. Yee. But more than that, this is a song that I remember really tugging at my heartstrings the first time I heard it. And I'm going to get into it a little bit with um, with our guests this week, this month. But, you know, suffice it to say, this song is very emotional for me because as a, it's it's a song that's grown with me. Like I loved it the first time I heard it. But as I've gotten older, because I'm now at about the age that Kate Bush was when this was released, I think she would have been, this was released in 93, and so she would have been 35 when this was released. I'm now 38. 
And so the lyrics, especially the chorus, just hit me a little differently because I'm a little older because I have lost people I've loved. And also just the theme of trying to just go just to remember the good moments because when when things are really sad and really, really dark. That hits a little differently when you, 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 I feel like I've gotten a lot more life experience. And so a song like this just hits me a lot differently. And I got to say, as I was editing this episode, it was really hard for me to not cry in certain parts, especially the parts where I've inserted the actual song, because it means that much. And I know this is a fan favorite. um, And it's not hard to see why. I mean, it's just it's beautiful. It's got touching lyrics. And of course, I love her vocal performance as well, especially on that chorus. It's just so beautiful. Oh, my God. So all of that said, without further ado, let's just get on into talking about the song and what it means to us. So this week, we are talking with Rick Campbell, who's been on the show before. In fact, he was on last time. And we're going to be talking about this song. And when I recorded this, I do want to do a little preface here that I recorded this through Zoom. And so the sound quality is just a little bit different than what you guys are probably used to hearing from me. So if you're wondering why my voice sounds a little different or why you're hearing more of me taking notes, that is why. It's because it was through Zoom here. But anyway, without further ado, let's get on into it. I hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode as much as I've enjoyed making it for you. So here we go. And to talk with us about Moments of Pleasure, which is one of his favorite songs, we have a fan on the show. He's been on the show before, and we're calling all the way up to... uh, Still in my time zone on the East U.S. East Coast, but he is on the East Coast of Canada. We have with us this week... Richard Campbell. Indeed. Nice to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Nice to be here. We're also doing this through Zoom, and this is actually the first episode I've done through Zoom. (laughs) Really? It really is, yeah. And and I would almost feel weird with the fact that, like, we can see each other. (laughs) Because I'm like, I have ADD, and I, like, twirl my... My, not my fingers. I troll my hair and stuff like that all the time. Well, that's okay. So I may end up doing that. If I do, I heartily apologize. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So, I, I don't know what I do, but anyway. Anyway, so what's your story with Moments of Pleasure? Like, I'm, I know you've talked before about how you became a Kate fan and everything. But, yes. Um, well, I was talking did, about the big... Big Sky, I think, was the song I talked about last time. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, Moments of Pleasure. Uh, it's just, uh, I mean, uh, the Red Shoes album is a, a somewhat uh, unusual album in that it's, it delves, it goes in all, goes off in all directions. And uh, there's only a few songs on it that I would say, oh, yeah, this is definitely connected to what I've heard before by Kate. Because uh, like things like Big Stripey Lie and uh, Eat the Music are quite different. Um, I, I, I remember when the album first came out, I kind of thought it was a bit of a hodgepodge. Um, and I didn't take to it immediately the way that I did with the previous records. Mm-hmm. But I've changed my view on that uh, in the last few years. But um, Moments of Pleasure, because it's got the Michael Kamen orchestral score and it's a piano-based ballad, uh, was very reminiscent of, of a, a strain of music that runs through her entire career. Uh, and the subject matter 
was what I, I, something that I could relate to, especially in middle age. Uh, the idea of thinking about people gone and people still here uh, was quite has become it's become over time quite a powerful uh, song for me, and I, I I think it's not only the melody which is quite wonderful and her vocal, but the um, the Cayman orchestral score is just so gorgeous to it uh, that accompanies it or is played behind it. And the fact that she redid it on director's cut in quite a different manner um, was also deeply affecting to me. Um, I tend to prefer the original because I like the bridge, you know, I like the, I like the the lyrics about sometimes being alive can really oh, hurt. Oh, just, just being alive. Just can being really alive hurt. can really hurt. And I've gone through that uh, myself. And and thinking of moments in time that you moments of pleasure, moments in time where you weren't, where you were happy. And then of course she tells in the first verse, she tells the story of George the Wipe, uh, which I've heard or read somewhere is the story of that of her laying a track down at Abbey Road, and it was a finished track, and that the uh, I, I, the tape op I think or mm-hmm. accidentally erased the entire track, and the track oh, yeah. was lost, and so uh, and then her response was to laugh, you know, as opposed to. You know, as opposed to freak out on the guy. I mean, somebody probably freaked out on the guy, but it doesn't seem like she did. She just had to laugh. All the people that she names in the song, particularly at the song's close, you know, mm-hmm. like some of whom I was already familiar with. And it's also kind of a sequel to Blow Away on Never Forever, which I, you know, yeah, another especially song. Especially those last two lines, you know, hey there, Bill, yeah. can you, could you turn the lights up? Yeah, yeah. And and the video is beautiful. I love mm-hmm. the video for it. So um, I, I watched that again today too. That's pretty much sums up why it's an important song for me. But the most important thing about it, in terms of evoking feelings in me, is that it makes me think about the same thing. You know, moments in time that have given me pleasure versus the rest of your life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so these these you know these moments of moments of time are, are these moments are a gift from time it's quite a beautiful thought and the the, the version on director's cut is kind of more of a dirgy and uh, melancholic and she gets rid of all of the um, except that there's that thing where she says michael do you did you really did you really love me and then she says it again at the end like she repeats it uh, which made me want to which Michael is she talking about? Is she talking mm-hmm. about Michael Kamen? Because by then Michael Kamen passed away. The fellow who did a lot of her orchestral arrangements, you know, right up until Ariel. This is a new wrinkle to it, you know, but she seems to like it, that version of it. Let me see if I can find it. I, you, you, I might disappear for a second. Oh, no, okay. there, I'm still there. I'm still no, there. you're still there. Okay. Um, where now is you're on portrait put? view. I know y'all listening obviously can't see it here, but he he's now on portrait. Portrait. I'm view. just trying to find. She did a BBC interview around the time of director's cut, and she spoke about this song, and mm-hmm. I copied it down. Where did I? I think I got you here. It's um, 
Yeah, I, are you talking about the Ken Bruce interview? Um, let me double check. Because I got that. I actually got that quote here. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Okay, just let me let me see if it's Ken Bruce. Okay. Yeah, it's the Ken Bruce. Yeah. Okay, you've got it. Okay, great. Okay. Well, yeah, then, and actually, well, then you go. Off you go. <laughs> well, and actually, what's funny with this interview? It was this interview. I remember. I was I have a little story with that interview because I had heard that she was going to do an interview, right? And at the time, I was working in public school, but I was sick that day. And I didn't mm -hmm. just feel like play sick. No, I really was sick that day. I was just yeah. not feeling good. So I stayed home. And I figured out, like, I was trying to figure out, how am I going to listen to this? And so I figured out, okay, well, Britain, they're, four, they're five hours ahead of me. Okay, well, that's not too bad. Okay, so I have to kind of tune in at, like, 2 p.m. my time because it's going to be at 7 yeah. p.m. or something. So mm -hmm. I remember listening to this interview. And I found this, this really interesting. Um, so she says, quote, I think the problem is that during the recording of that album, I'm sure she means the Red Shoes, there were a lot of unhappy things going on in my life. But when the songs were written, none of that had really happened yet. I think a lot of people presume that particularly that song was written after my mom had died, for instance, which wasn't so at all. There's a line in there that mentions a phrase that she used to say, every old sock meets an old shoe. And when I recorded yeah. it and played it to her, she thought just thought it was hilarious. She couldn't stop laughing. She just thought it was so funny that I put it in this song. So I don't see it as a sad song. I think there's a sort of reflective quality. Hmm. But Fair I enough. guess I think of it more as a celebration of life. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's true to a certain extent. I think mm -hmm. Kate Bush is, is funny because she's always... I, I, I think she was pretty cagey during that interview. I remember thinking, wow, you're, you really... You really like some an interviewer will say something and she tends to go, no, that's not really what I, and I always go, really, <laughs> really? Because, mm -hmm. because I mean, you know, it's not like her relationship with uh, Dell uh, broke up in one day. Obviously they would probably been having problems for quite some time. So, mm -hmm. and I mean, I'm sorry, like the last song on that album, was it you're the one? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, come on! You telling me <laughs> that's not autobiographical? Anyway, please yourself, Kate. Please yourself. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, I, I agree that it's celebratory, but it it still has that kind of wistful melancholy, and certainly that's present in the video with the mm -hmm. the that kind of snow globe effect at the end, where all the people are represented by different dancers going past her and stuff. There's something about that that's really pulls at the heartstrings rather than makes me go, woohoo, life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's more like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of like going, oh, oh, God. There's a little, there's Bill. I think what, to, you know, and I agree with you, like, and she says that it's a celebration. I think in a way it is like a celebration of just people who have come into your life and who have made an impact on you. And I agree with it in that extent, but I think what really makes it, like, I agree, if, I feel like it, it's more wistful and, and very, it's more reflective, I think, than anything. Yeah. And also, I think part of that is just the music, because the, the song is in D-flat major, and D-flat major, we got all these flat keys, and it just sounds moody. Like, any kind of, like, any kind of key that has a lot of flats in it, like, um, even, like, E-flat major, A-flat major, D-flat, mm -hmm. F-flat. 
G flat major. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it just sounds really sad and reflectful. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I also, what I find interesting too, is that um, this apparently was one of the first songs written for the album. And I oh, believe really? it. Because it, yeah. it sounds yeah. like it's got that like quality of her just being at the piano kind of going back to her roots a little bit rather than playing in with the production and everything. And I mean, I, I love her production. I really yeah. do. Like she can do some great production, but just hearing her at the piano like this, it, it really touches me. I I'm with you. Like as, as I've gotten older, I, this, this hits me more. Like I yeah. first heard this when I was like 19 and mm-hmm. you know, I don't have a whole lot, a lot of life experience at 19 and Especially with how much I've lived in the last couple of years, and it really, really this this song will make me cry. Yeah, this song me makes too. me cry more than this yeah. woman's work does at times. Yeah, yeah, because it really yeah. just kind of hits me. It, it hits me really in the feels. Yeah, it makes you. Yeah, it. I have. It has the same effect on me, and I guess the older I get, the more you know. And I've lost some friends in the last few years and and so it really does make you think because uh i was driving i was driving i was recently on tour with um theater company uh, the show just closed on uh, sunday night and we were driving and we the last place we played was my hometown and so we were driving around my hometown and then we came back to Toronto, but where we went to Toronto to have drinks was where I lived when I first moved to Toronto back in the seventies. And so I was seeing all like, like the, te- the city has changed immeasurably, but there are a few landmark places that are still there. And I, I kind of went like, oh, wow. And so all these memories come flooding back of, of, you know, when I first came to Toronto, you know, with dreams of grandeur and, uh, all the people that have coursed through my life since then, and people that I've lost, people that I lost in the 80s to AIDS or people, people who just had bad luck, uh, you know, or, re- or, or not even dying, you know, just like losing touch with people. And then like 10 years go by and you don't know where they are or what they're doing. And you've got, you know, I suppose with social media, it's easier now to track people down, but mm-hmm. even still, you know, do they want you to, you, you, you go like, oh, does this person really want to hear from me? And I, I met uh, uh, an old girlfriend in Germany uh, um, uh, in 2019, I guess it was pre COVID. And we hadn't seen each other in 35 years. And um, in a way it was like no time at all had gone by. But in another way, it was like I was thinking, we have both lived entire lifetimes apart, occasionally touching base with each other over the years, over the decades, and then losing touch for like five, six years, and then seeing each other again for the first time since 1985. That was extremely strange, extremely strange. And it was her 60th birthday. I was there for her 60th birthday party. So uh, the, uh, 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 it was very emotional. It was an emotional experience seeing something that someone you've been romantically involved with, like back in your twenties, and and then seeing them again. And you, you've like an entire. I, I just got an entire lifetime 
both had kids, both did this, did that, did that, you know, and it's like, well, here we are. How was your life? Well, my life was like this. What was your life like? As opposed to saying, what have you been up to? You know, it's like mm-hmm. on a lifetime. So not seeing people, thinking about people you haven't seen. And now I've got friends who are going, we have to get together. We have to get together and we have to call these people and we're going to have a reunion because a friend of mine's coming up from Atlanta uh, because his daughter is going to go to U of T and he's going to help her move in. And I, I met him at University of Toronto. And uh, so I have a friend in my who lives in my hometown is going, we've got to get everybody together. We've got to get, you know, because we're not getting any younger, you know. And that experience, I hope, will be a moment of pleasure. You know what I mean? Just to mm-hmm. see all these people again. And uh, like I saw two or three of these people a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I haven't seen them in years, right? Like plus COVID, right? And, uh, and like everybody looked so different. Everybody looked so much older, you know, like one of the guys was a, a, a punk rocker when I first <laughs> met him. And, and now he's like uh, in his 50s and he's got gray, his hair is long at the moment. He's got gray curly hair and stuff. And I went, you look like a completely different person, you know, especially when you haven't seen someone in a while. So, yeah, that song makes me think about stuff like that. And, um, and it makes me think about her too. It makes me think about Kate and her own life. I mean, she, she goes out of her way to say her songs aren't autobiographical. And I, I suppose a lot of them aren't, but you know, I, I think she's KG as hell about stuff like that. I think, you know, mm-hmm. you can't tell me that. I mean, if I was to meet her, I'd say like, okay, so you didn't go for a night swim, like in when you and you wrote Nocturne about going out and swimming under the stars and stuff. You you didn't do that, you know, like that whole experience of 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 of, of having to go up on the roof and see the sun come up. You didn't do that. Is that what you're telling me? You just made it all up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, I I just think it's funny the way she talks to to interviewers. She's always saying, "No, I don't. No, that's not really." You know, and I go like, I don't know. I think you're being, I think you're protecting your privacy. I think she likes to protect her privacy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, given the way that Kate was treated at the beginning of her career, everything, Mm. I mean, it's no wonder. I mean, she seems like a a pretty, pretty introverted kind of person. Um, Yeah. You know, probably she gets really tired around lots and lots of people all the time and, and certainly the way that the interviewers were treating her and asking her really inane questions. I mean, honestly, yeah. that kind of thing has never changed. <laughs> the yeah. Things haven't changed. Like, no. yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not surprised that she's kind of cagey, but honestly, it adds more to the mystique. <laughs> I feel yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because my partner was like, you know, she, she said, you tend to like artists that are very kind of secretive and everything. I said, I know, because there's a lot I can speculate on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I also think with her, it's, uh, I think that if she was out and about in the world more like some of the, uh, her contemporaries are, uh, she, she wouldn't have a, a well of inspiration to draw on because she doesn't write the same way other people write. She doesn't exactly. write about, you know, she doesn't write the way that, I don't know, Phil Collins or somebody writes. Like, I'm just thinking of contemporaries of hers. 
um, or Peter Gabriel or, 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 or Sting. But I mean, Sting, like, uh, Sting lives, li- lives a very private life. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a lot of these people do. So it's kind of like when an actor says, an actor becomes really famous. And I read an interview with a famous actor once where he said, the biggest drag about being famous is that I can't go and I can't observe people the way that I used to. He said, I used to sit in cafes and restaurants or just walking down the street and you'd see a person, you see the way they're walking or you hear them say something or you hear a kind of cadence of speech and you sort of put that in your mental notebook you know, and it pops up later when you're creating a character or you're incorporating things into character but when you're famous you can't do that because everybody's looking at you you know and so i think that if kate bush had to was out and about in the world constantly ask answering questions about herself she wouldn't be able to get time to reflect and get inspired you know and Mm -hmm. get you know write songs about turning into blackbirds and things you know (laughs) some of the ideas that she gets which are, you know, unusual, her, her unusual sort of take on the world. That's, that's what I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is true. And, and, that, and, he is, and so when thinking about a song like Moments of Pleasure, and, and also just how it sits on the album as a whole, it's funny you mentioned Hodgepodge, because that's kind of the impression I first got when I first yeah. heard um, the, the Red Shoes album, which was literally the first Kate Bush album I had ever heard. Oh, it's really? Like, yeah, so um, my mom gifted me the red shoes because she went into FYE or Sam Goody, one of these places. It, probably one of these places that doesn't exist anymore, RIP. Yep. And she said, well, my daughter really likes 80s British female singers, and what can you recommend? And the lady said, hey, here, and gave her a copy of the red shoes. And I had heard of Kate Bush at that point because she was playing a lot on flashback alternatives. And so I had heard some of her stuff. I was like, I had heard the run, I had heard running up that hill and a couple of her others. And I was familiar with the name. And I also, I had heard it at that point, Wuthering Heights, because I was obsessed with the novel when I was a teenager. Yeah. And so I remember putting it on uh, the album on Christmas day. And I do remember immediately liking this one because it, because it was the, because of the melody and how reflective it was. And even though I was listening to it at 19, and you have to understand, I had no context who, like, other than like, okay, I know she's British and she has this pretty album cover. And yeah, this is this person I keep hearing on flashback alternatives. And so mm-hmm. I was just going at it, like going, just going in blind almost. Mm-hmm. And I remember really liking this one. And this was, this is one of my absolute favorite Kate Bush songs. Like, this is in my top yeah, ten. Yeah, mine too. It's definitely it's in my top ten. Top, lyrically, like, kind of compared with some of her other stuff, uh, some of her previous stuff, it's a little bit more direct, but also it still has some of these beautiful metaphors in there that I like. Like, my one of my favorite lyrics of hers, like, ever, is, I think about us diving off a rock into another moment. Mm-hmm. Like, holy mm-hmm. crap that is so beautiful like i just love yeah. the imagery of it yeah yeah and um and even the part before it like i think about us lying on a beach somewhere and just 
in some ways I kind of feel like the lyrics are get a little bit too personal. Like you're kind of like, okay, what are you referencing here? Like, uh, like, yeah. like with, especially with George, the wife. Um, yeah. but then you realize later that Smurf is supposed to be Alan Murphy, who was her guitarist. Cause he died right. of AIDS. Cause he was yes. one, of se- one of several people that she worked with. I know one of her dancers for yeah. the tour of life also died yeah. of AIDS. That's right. And I, I I love the reference to Bill Duffield at the end. You know, could you turn the lights up? Which she left out yeah. of the director's cut version. I'm like, yeah. Mm, mm, why? <laughs> yeah. Why? Yeah. Why did you leave that out? Because then it just uh, ends with the "Do you really love me?" And then yeah. that's it. I've always yeah. loved this one. This is in my top. It's in my top ten. It hits. I, I. It hits me more at times than even something like this woman's work does, which yeah. can still make me cry. But this yeah. one does it to me more because I mean I've been, you know, I'm 37, and I've been through a lot of stuff in the last couple of years of figuring myself out, and sometimes even losing friends because we just grow apart. Right. Going in different areas, like especially a lot of my other female friends, they became mothers. That slipped out of time and space for me, and I'm actually really glad in retrospect that it did. I have fur babies. Yeah. Yeah. I got two cats and a dog, and yeah. So I'm really happy with that. Um, but so this makes me think of some of the friends that I just kind of lost contact with, and mm-hmm. then this this year. Um, uh, a long friendship ended that really affected me and so yeah this I, I mean I loved it first I really did for like oh yeah this is like pretty emotional and she's missing people but now that I've gotten older that like it's like oh my god woman you're hitting your field oh my yeah god. yeah so. and how old would she have been in, when she recorded it do you know I don't she I... would have been actually she would have been just a little younger than I am now. She would have been about 34, 35. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You start to get reflective when you go and get into your thirties, I think. Yep. And you I know? start I know I started to a couple of years ago because I ended up moving and then COVID happened, like the whole world just Yeah. 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 I I uh I also, yeah, also like you say, it's it's a, a classic Kate solo piano ballad, albeit like the man with the child in his eyes, there's a string arrangement behind it or orchestral arrangement behind it, but um, it really harkens back. And I remember when I saw, when I saw her uh, in 2014, um, the first act was like full band doing six, seven songs. And then the musical theater performance of side two of 
of uh, Hounds of Love, and that was really something. I mean, that visually, that was something, and that was kind of in keeping with, yeah, you go to see Kate Bush live. She's very theatrical. She's not going to just, you know. I mean, she did come out initially and did those seven songs, like, hi, I'm here, I'm singing in front of a band, like old school, which is something I, you know, I was going, oh, she's just she's just standing there. Okay, cool. And then all of a sudden, this, this mm-hmm. big fucking, pardon my language, this big, huge musical extravaganza and then i remember uh when we came back in from the intermission and we're sitting down i went i just need to i just need to get my i need to get my uh my bearings here with her because it's like i'm overwhelmed i was just so overwhelmed by it because i was like having to punch myself in the face going it's yes it's her it's not an actor pretending to be her you're really watching kate bush (laughs) And it was like my brain was going. You would, because I literally I got off the plane, went to my brother's, had an hour's lie down, went to Hammersmith. So I didn't have an, a, a chance to get over jet lag or anything. So um, so I, I don't know what I guess it would have been one o'clock in the morning when in my body when Kate Bush came on stage. So um, uh, the second set, she starts with the beginning of Ariel and it's just her sitting at the piano, no band, nothing. She's sitting at a grand piano. There is some visual stuff happening with this big door opening and this guy coming in with a puppet and stuff and slides and stuff, but she's there sitting at the piano. And it was just like, this is what I needed. I needed to see her play the piano. Mm-hmm. I needed to see her sitting down at the piano and playing. A musical instrument and 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 i just went yes you're here this is her there she is she's doing her thing that's her playing that piano it was so beautiful so i think that's what i like about moments of pleasure is is it's essentially solo piano with no band no and no some of the other stuff on the album is pretty pretty heavy duty like big stripy lie is like Mm -hmm. whoa and um and uh, uh, You're the One is a fantastic song. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see or listen to you talk about that song. Uh, that song is like, ugh, that's like a knife in my heart, that song. But, um, you know, and there's the collaboration with Prince and there's all these, there's all these different things. But like the Red Shoes, Moments of Pleasure, a Rubber Band uh, Girl, those songs are more, to, in my mind, linked with the previous couple of records, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, but Moments of Pleasure really is for me the, the uh, This Woman's Work moment on that album, you know? Mm-hmm. It's quite beautiful or a deeper understanding. And, that it's song. An, and it's something new after, it, it, it's kind of a change of pace too, I feel for the album, especially after the previous song, Eat the Music. Yes. That was all like, you know, upbeat and everything. Basically mm-hmm. the same three chords throughout the whole song. Yeah. And it leads really well into the song that comes after too. Like where it's placed on the album is absolutely perfect because you, you get a nice little change of pace. And it's nice to hear just hear Kate just going back to her roots. Yeah. And like just her at a piano and just doing that. Yeah. And I love her production tricks. I really do. I happen to love Big Stripey Light. Like, some people online are like, oh, my God, one of the worst. 
I love it. I love that it's so chaotic because that's how she was feeling at the time. My brother and I make uh, playlists. Since COVID started, we've been making playlists together. He lives in London, England. And uh, the idea is we make them like we're making cassette tapes like we used to mm -hmm. together. So each side is 45 minutes long. So there's always a, you know, a time factor you have to consider. And uh, he put Big Stripey Lie on one of the more recent playlists. And like it comes on, I don't remember what I had before it or put after it, but it came on. It was like, holy God, it's Big Stripey Lie. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm, uh, it's a great track. It's a great track. You know, it's so different from the rest of the album. It almost doesn't fit. Of course, well, well we're going yeah. to talk about that. Um, yeah. That'll be fun because that's one of my favorites. But like with Moments yeah. of Pleasure, I love where it is on the album. It flows what follows really it? What follows it? Song I, of Solomon. I, oh, right. This okay. is that's a, song a great song. Of that's a great song too. So you get these two yeah. like really. She this comes after a very energetic song, and then you get something a little bit different sounding, but still a little bit kind of mellow for the for the next one. Yeah. It's it's, it's placed really well. I just bought the vinyl, so Ooh. I picked up the remaster vinyl just recently. Because I, I always wanted both Central World and Red Shoes on vinyl, but it's it was impossible to find. I don't know how many vinyl copies, if any, were done of the Red Shoes. So, because I know that Joni Mitchell didn't put Dog Eat Dog, that album, uh, she didn't release it on vinyl because it was like vinyl was like, who, who listens to vinyl anymore when she put mm -hmm. that out? So uh, you couldn't buy Doggy Dog on vinyl initially, but uh, or maybe it was the one after Shock Mark and the Rainstorm. That was the one you couldn't get on vinyl. But um, but yeah, uh, so in Canada anyway, and in the UK, I couldn't find used vinyl copies of either of those records or find them new until she released these remasters. So I went out and bought both of them. And Ariel as well. I'm all set. Get I, got my vinyl. I got my vinyl Kate. <laughs> Finally. Well, I always search for Kate Bush whenever I go into like a, there's a used, uh, actually it's an antique mall um, here in Southern, in Southern Virginia. And it's, they've got a whole section like with turntables. You can actually like set, put something on one of the turntables and listen nice. to it if you want to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they've got a bunch of records in there. I was in there recently, and unfortunately, I did not find Kate. I mean, I could have kept looking, but it was just like there was no order really to anything. Yeah. But um, funny enough, I did find a copy of Dream of the Blue Turtles because somebody was looking for a Sting album. And I was like, oh, hey, yeah, here it is, Dream of the Blue Turtles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But unfortunately, I didn't find Kate Bush. Now, I did find in that store, I did find a 45 of the Hounds of Love title track. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. It's nice. Because I, I like, she's like, kind of, and it's all black and white. And yeah, I yeah. found it. I went, I, I saw her face. I went, yep, okay, here we go. I'm getting that one. Get it before anybody else. Because I never find her, I usually don't find her stuff out in the belt like that. But uh, yeah, yeah. You have to find any of her, like, albums. In Toronto, when you go hunting for Kate Bush albums, like used ones, what you usually come across is, Several copies of um, Lionheart, 
you might see Never Forever. You definitely see the dreaming and, um, and occasionally Hounds of Love. Um, you don't see the first one very often. You don't see uh, any of the others. But there's this store in Kingston. There's a record store in Kingston, a used record store. It's quite famous and uh, Kingston, Ontario. And uh, it's just like halfway between here and Montreal. And it's a nut, nutty store, a nutty store. Like it's like he's got so many records that you can't, you can't uh, browse properly. You have to take a chunk of records out of the rack, set them beside you, and then you can, you can browse through. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's oh. absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. Anyway, so I was in there for about an hour. And I went, Ugh, I can't take this anymore. It's too random. It's too crazy. I got to get out of here. And as I'm leaving, I glance over to the left of me and I see a Kate Bush section. There's like these sections that he's got towards the front of the store for specialty artists. And there's Kate Bush. And I go, oh, look at this. And it was enormous. It was an enormous section. So he had like five different copies of Lionheart, which I only had on CD. And I went, okay, I'm going to get I'm going to get a buy a copy of Lionheart, which meant I had to go through all five of them and check each one out. And I ended up buying a UK import copy of it, um, quite in great condition. And also was there was the meteorological mix of Big Sky. Hey, I like that version. You, yeah, which, as you know, was one of my favorite mm -hmm. Kate Bush songs. And I didn't buy it because I didn't have the money. And uh, I went, oh, I can't afford it. I can't afford it because um, I was just uh, living dollar to dollar. But I really wanted that lion heart. A, a year goes by. We decide to take the family to Kingston because it's actually kind of a cool place to spend a night or, or a couple of nights. A lot of history and really great restaurants and such. So we go back and I go, I just have a funny feeling that that record is still there because it's Kingston, not Toronto. Mm -hmm. And that record is still going to be there. So I said, I'll leave you guys. I'm going to walk up to the record store. I'll come back. I'll be back in about half an hour. I walk up into, I go into the record store. I go to the Kate Bush section and it was still there a oh. year later. I got it. Yay. You finally got it. Oh, finally got it. yeah. It's fantastic to have that on vinyl. Kate Bush vinyl stories. <laughs> You have more than me. I mean, I've, I've only got a cut. I mean, pretty much mine was, was Finding Hounds of Love. Mm. That was, I, 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 I made a point of getting that one because a version of uh, Big Sky on, on Spotify and Apple Music and all that. And even on her new, I think her new uh, remastered Hounds of Love is a, an edit. It's a different version. It's slightly different. It's not as long. And the drums have been removed from the intro. So it's a different mix. She remixed it. Well, see, I'm, I'm of the mindset that, you know, you, you should have, if you're going to do that, like have the other version available too, just in case people want to go back to the other version. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I can play the record now. <laughs> <laughs> I can play the record. I don't know that I have anything more to say about moments of pleasure, uh, uh, you know? Uh, what about you? 
Um, I mean, really for me, you, you mentioned the DC, the, I was going to say the DC version, like, yeah, Washington DC. Um, mm. no, but the director's cut version, um, there are, now there are a few songs from the Red Shoes where I actually do prefer the director's cut version. Hot take mm-hmm. there. Like, mm. I prefer the, I prefer the DC version of the Red Shoes. I prefer the DC version of Lily. Especially because, like, the drums just sound a little yeah. bit more punchy to me. Yeah. Uh, yep. This one is not the case. I like it. I'm glad that she... I'm glad to... I was glad to hear Kate Bush retooling her songs because that's something she just doesn't do very often. No. And I kind of think of Director's Cut as, like, a way of her kind of playing live without actually playing live. That's what because, my brother and I, that's what I said to my brother yeah. when it came out. I said, this is what it would be like to see her live now mm-hmm. playing these songs. She changed them, you know? Yeah, that she would go, you know, that you go to see an artist. Because I'm the one, I'm the kind of person who, when I go to see a favorite artist, I want to hear them do new stuff. I want to hear them yeah. do old songs. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I like about going to see Tori Amos is because every time she does her song, like it's going to sound a little different live. Like that's yeah. fine. Otherwise, I'm just going to stay home. So yeah. <laughs> I get that. Like I'm glad, and I'm glad that she can look back on that time and go, you know what? Actually, you know, I'm being, I'm going to play these songs again. You know, I'm, I'm going to kind of play with them a little bit because that's just something that she doesn't do. But yeah, I didn't really. Like I can't really, I can't really get into the arrangement she did for this, and I, I, I miss the part about just being alive. It can really hurt. It sounds like in the background there's like a choral thing that's kind of doing the yeah. melody instead. Very, very. Uh, um, uh, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. It's a dirge-like choral thing happening. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's if I guess if. If I'm in the mood for something a little more ethereal, then I could put that on. red shoes version that's yeah. the one that and that's also admittedly that's the one that i first heard and so i'm the one it's going to be the yeah. one that i attach myself to I think when I first heard the DC version, I kind of went, oh, this is, this is great. I think I may have even thought this is better because it was more mournful. That's the word I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Mournful. Mournful. And I thought, 
I, I, it was partially because I hadn't heard, um, I hadn't played the red shoes in a long time. And, uh, I, I kind of was thinking, yeah, this is more appropriate to the lyric and, uh, and it's where she is now that she's in her sixties and this might be how she's feeling now. And, uh, and uh, as it turns out, it's really not, I, I, I'm just, I'm just going to find the, I'm just going to find something. Um, hold on. This is the second part of the quotation from the interview with Ken Bruce. She says, I wasn't really quite sure how moments of pleasure was going to come together. So I just sat down and tried to play it again. I hadn't played it for about 20 years. I immediately wanted to get a sense of the fact that it was more of a narrative now than the original version. Getting rid of the chorus sections somehow made it more of a narrative than a straightforward song. And we all know how Kate likes her narratives, mm-hmm. songs. So, um, but yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I, I, I go, well, that's not what I get out of it. But uh, I thought it was more, I, I thought it was even more deeply autobiographical that she was expressing, you know, more friends of hers have probably gone away or died or whatever, you know, and like the passage of time and all of that. But the original version has Michael Kamen's arrangement, which is stunning. It has, it has the, it has those uh, uh, bridge uh, lyrics that I love so much. It has her, it, it has her, she does, does she say here come the hills of time mm-hmm. in, in the new version? On the new version, I'm yeah. not sure. I don't think she does, and I love that. I don't that. think she does. But I, 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 I love like that, that line. Come the hills of time. It's like, it's like a, a, the memories are sweeping over her, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, like and in the video, it's like, it looks like the sands of time are sw- swirling around her. Fabulous Which is video. taken directly from the line in The Cross and the Curve. Right, so, right, yeah. Music video. Yeah, is that it, there, you? To watch that, you have to sort of watch it all in pieces on YouTube, don't you? Um, I haven't found a, a complete version of it yet on YouTube. Let me on in a since we're connected on Facebook, I'll send you a link. It's okay, to, it's it's on Daily Motion. That's where. I was oh, able to watch Daily it. Motion. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. That's where I was able to watch it because I'd never seen it before, and so I finally watched it a couple of months ago. And I've seen sections of it but I've never seen the whole thing in, of a piece and I'm sure there's some sections missing. But uh, the video I watched today of Moments of Pleasure had a long intro of her where it's just her eyes and she's talking about she's trapped by the shoes. Mm-hmm. And then, then it goes into what was the proper MTV video for Moments of Pleasure, right? So mm-hmm. much music in Canada. So, yeah, I, you know, I was hypercritical of, of all of that when I saw it at first, uh, like the bits I saw of crossing the curve, I was going, what is this? This isn't necessary. Like now when I look at it, I go, well, this is kind of cool. That's Miranda Richardson. She's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, her old Lindsay teacher, Kemp. Lindsay freaking Kemp, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, anyway. I, I, I just love all of that, you know, him being present and being part of that and uh, talk about memories. 
It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Oh, the, it is. We said, I said the same thing to my brother about that director's cut album. I said, this, this is what we get instead of a concert. We get this album, which is her, this is what she would do if she played live. And of course, when she played live, that's what she did. Like all of the materials that she played that's on director's cut was the director's cut arrangements. So Lily was like the, you know, the version on director's cut and top of the city was the director's cut arrangement. So, which was great because her voice has changed. So she could really attack those songs, like in a big way, you know, really use that lower register that she's got now and really go for it. It was pretty cool. It's on the album, like before the dawn has, has got all that. I, I went through a phase of playing Moments of Pleasure constantly um, a couple of years ago. <laughs> I was playing it, in the, playing it in the car all the time, you know. I'd, I'd go away and I'd play other things and stuff, and then I'd come back to it because it was really <laughs> meant a lot for me. I don't think it was during COVID. I think it was before COVID. But I, was, I guess I was feeling emotionally fragile or something, and it really, it really had a kind of a healing effect on me. That and Big Sky are kind of go-to songs when I want, I, I need a kick mm -hmm. in the butt, something, or not necessarily a kick in the butt, but uh, something just to go, it's okay. It's okay. You know, everybody mm -hmm. feels that way. Everybody's in, in the same boat or has been or will be in that same boat, you know, just focus on putting one foot in front of the other, which is hard for me. It's really hard for me. And uh, wait for the next moment of pleasure to come along. So, that's how I feel, anyway. Well, I think we've pretty much covered everything. It was a pleasure. It was a moment of moment, pleasure. A moment to of talk pleasure. About, <laughs> a moment of pleasure to talk about moment of pleasure with you. Indeed. <laughs> I almost, fun fact, I almost named the show Moments of Pleasure. Really? Almost did. Oh, wow. I almost did, but then I just, I decided, I was like, hmm, it might be a little bit too obvious. And I knew it would be way too obvious if I did this moment's work. It's like, yeah. Okay. And it yeah. was uh, it was someone else who suggested, you know, why don't you do a strange phenomena? So I thought I think that's okay, great. There we go. Too. I like that. Yeah, because yeah. her music yeah. is a strange phenomenon. We love it. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> it's totally fitting. But it's so so funny that you were going to name it that or thinking mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Anyway, I would listen no matter what you called it. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. It was great to talk to you as always. Thanks. Nice talking to you again. And that wraps it up for this month's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I want to thank you all so much for listening, for following the show and all that fun stuff. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Overcast. We're on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are here and I'm so happy that you guys have been following along with the show. So next time we're going to be talking about Song of Solomon. So I guess we better kind of keep our hankies still because it is still a very, we're, we're still in emotional territory here and so that's gonna be next time but first things first if you're enjoying the show you can follow along on x i guess we have to start calling it x now at strange kate cast and also i am on facebook facebook.com slash kate bush podcast and you can also email me kate bush podcast at gmail.com 
So if you want to get in touch about your favorite Kate Bush song or you want to add something um, to an episode we've already done, you can reach me on those platforms. Also, if you would like to leave a little message about your favorite Kate Bush song, whether it's one that we've done already or not, you can call my hotline at country code 1-757-349-6369 and you can leave a message and your message could be played on a future episode Woo! so that wraps it up now thank you so much again for listening and we'll see everybody next time where we're going to be talking about song of solomon see you guys then It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.